Hello, and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Maroos, owner and CEO of the Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of the Financial Brand. The need for quick innovation is greater than ever, with advanced, cost-efficient solutions needed by legacy banking organizations to keep pace with a fast-moving digital landscape. One option is to deploy white-label banking solutions in partnership with a third party. By using application program interfaces, APIs, banks and credit unions can quickly respond to new challenges such as a buy now, pay later product. On today's show, we have Tushar Srivastava, co-founder and CEO of Skeps. He will discuss how traditional financial institutions can use third-party solution providers to outperform traditional product development processes. Major changes in consumer behavior over the past two years have opened the door to innovative digital credit solutions, making buy now, pay later a near necessity for traditional banks to retain their customer base. Unfortunately, most banking organizations have innovation and product development processes that tend to be slow, complicated, and often expensive. One option is to use white label solutions to provide a company branded front end with advanced digital solutions already created by third parties for the marketplace. As I mentioned, I have Tushar Srivastava, co-founder and CEO of Skeps on the show today. Welcome to the show, Tushar. Before we start, could you give us some insight into the history of Skeps? Absolutely. First of all, Jim, thank you for having me and giving this opportunity. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, uh, Jim, so as we, the history of Skeps is a platform, a technology platform. It's a three-year-old company. And the whole purpose of putting the Skeps together is to build a set of capabilities which can sit side-by-side banks' existing system and enable them faster speed to market to bring their products, which could be credit products, new products, installment loans, to their end consumer uh, uh, using the technology right as a white label technology. So that was the idea and genesis behind Skeps. So when you started Skeps, what was the problem in the marketplace you're trying to solve? Also, can you explain a little bit about how your unique blockchain decentralized architecture helps to solve this problem. So Jim, when we started uh, Skeps, uh, so my prior background is I have 14 years of experience as a consulting, in a consulting role to the top credit card issuers, fintech players, regional banks, and mostly in the payment vertical. So when we were like, in my prior life, when we were working with the banks, there were some of the key challenges which we saw, particularly when a bank and a merchant relationship, which are like mostly the co-branded relationships, we saw there were a couple of challenges. One is that merchants were struggling or both banks and merchants were struggling to increase the approval rate because all, all banks have a credit box and they are good to serve within their box. But once if you want to expand beyond that credit box, then banks doesn't have a solution and merchant need a solution. So there was a problem of approval rate on the merchant. Second problem was that merchant sits on a lot of very, very rich data across based on the customer, like their loyalty programs, their interactions with the merchant, which are only accessible to the merchant. And it's a very rich data in terms of credit approvals, giving premium offers, but it's very difficult to move that data to the bank for decisioning system because of the compliance. 
So these are the two challenges which we saw very, very close. And so that two challenges was almost the genesis of putting a platform together to solve how a merchant can work with multiple banks or lenders to solve for credit spectrum and product coverage. And second is how to enable sharing of our data while keeping within the current regulatory and compliance constraint. So if you think about now, that is where that uh, technology helps like the new age platforms like blockchain or decentralized system or this DLT distributed ledger system do help to solve this data sharing. So what we are able to come up with this platform is that without moving the information. So what is there in the merchant environment regarding to the customer that is stays in merchant environment? What is the bank proprietary information with regards to their proprietary underwriting, underwriting logic and all stays within that. But using this distributed ledger technology DLT, we are able to combine this information in a right regulatory and compliance framework to unlock the value for the consumer. So now, now using this technology, our banks are able to leverage much richer data, which is exist at the merchant end and extend high quality offers or premium offers to the end consumer, which ultimately helps consumer getting the credit and increasing the merchant sales. Well, you know, Buy now, pay labor later is obviously a very hot topic with market leaders growing quickly, some recent consolidation and a lot of traditional and fintech organizations really in a situation of playing catch up. What do you see as the biggest trends right now in the marketplace as it relates to buy now, pay later? Absolutely. Now, this is we all agree that buy now, pay later right now is a fascinating space to be in for a couple of reasons. One is that buy now pay later is is really one of the innovative product which has happened in my opinion post credit card so credit card as an instrument now buy now pay later after a very long time there's a really innovative credit product has come to the market which enables consumer to get short term credit on their day to day purchases now you are right uh, as usual the fintechs have come to the space and shown how the product can be distributed from a technology point of view. So they've shown how this product will work with the consumers, how this product should be set in the technology stack. But the second phase or the right phase would be that this, this product to become universal, ultimately banks have to come to the party and join the party, right? So that is right now what you are seeing is that right now we are at that juncture where everyone believes that this is a right product for the consumer it does unlock value and it is truly an innovative credit product in the market. Now, what banks are trying to do is that banks are trying to enter and see how they can offer this product to their customer, either with their merchant partners or within their own ecosystem. And this is where we are right now industry, but it's still a long way because how this product will mature or how this product will sit in the market, it's still a long way to go to figure it out. Well, that, that's a big point is that right now, even even major fintech payment players are looking to buy now pay later solutions. And, and really, in a situation, they be, they were a little caught off guard. They, they really weren't able to innovate. They aren't able to build, build uh, products that match that. But this puts a lot of legacy banking credit options at risk, doesn't it? Because, you know, if buy now, pay later keeps on getting bigger and, and a financial institution doesn't have an option out there in the marketplace that a consumer can very quickly access, they could lose a lot of customers and they could lose a lot of merchants, couldn't they? No, Jim, uh, that is right, that there is a, some risk to that, that they will use. 
so i think the way you have to think about that where this product sits so like if you if you look from a consumer point of view the value proposition for this product from a consumer is that they can like the typical profile of the consumer are, who are using this product today are gen z millennials and if you if you think about these are the people who have not a very rich credit history because they don't have mortgage they don't have huge auto loans like multiple car loans and all so they are either they are new to the credit journey or even if they are in their 30s and all they are still have not built a credit credit report which traditional a uh, prior generation used to have right because people used to have mortgage and all so what it means that they are not eligible for traditional credit products in the market they cannot get a 5000 10000 dollar credit card from the tradition so what it means that these people now at the time of the purchase this buy now pay later is offering a short term credit in real time to these consumer to take a purchase and split that purchase over a couple of paycheck cycle like three paychecks five paychecks six paychecks so very real product for them so now if you think about that is why this product is getting traction now if you look in a from a banking point of view there is an advantage there is yes in a short term banks are at a risk of losing these customers because these customers are going to the new age players but in a long run these new age new age players are also have challenges the challenges new age customers have that on a single transaction the economics are not that high where you make money on a single transaction so the way you have to think about and that's how bank have done all the way long that you get a customer by opening up a checking account you offer them some features like free dda or free overdraft fee but then you can sell them mortgage accounts and other products over a life of the customer as well and that's how you make money on the cust by solving their problem and over now that is where the fintechs are struggling that they don't have a subsequent product to sell these customers now banks have on the other hand they have huge set of products to sell them is just that they need to get these customers at the right time so the answer is to your product is i don't see it will in a short term yes we are seeing some cannibalization or some shift in the spend but in a longer scheme of things if you think about that this will be one additional product in the suite of product which banks will offer that customer if you are a new to credit you can come using this product but then i can graduate to your traditional credit card i can give you higher credit card i can give you auto loan and mortgage and then you can build that product so i think in a slightly longer run this will sit very nicely in the ecosystem and the last thing which i have said that this is the opportunity for the bank to play into the financial inclusion we know we have been talking about financial inclusion for a very long time that how to bring this population into the mix now this is a great tool where by extending 300 400 500 credit you are enabling customer to build credit history with the bank directly and once they have some kind of a payment behavior with them after 3 months or 6 months they can gradually migrate them to the more comprehensive credit product which will never so i think this is a great tool for banks to play, do the financial inclusion and give it back to the society i think leveraging technology so what advantage does skeps bring to the marketplace that a financial institution couldn't do it themselves absolutely so uh, jim uh, now think about that traditionally the banks have always distributed the product through their branches or through their own website if you have to get to amex card american express card or a chase card you have to go to their website apply for a credit card and they will give you now buy now pay later is a very different product where the product needs to be sit on a merchant website so when you are buying a washing machine or you are buying a kitchen appliance it says that you can get this appliance as 150 dollars a month so customer are not required to go to the 
bank or a lender website to get this product. So that means that now banks have to go and integrate their offering inside merchant ecosystem. Whether it's you walk into the store, you walk into the online website, you walk into the mobile app of the customer. Now that is the gap which skips is bridging that look, we are building a very, very modular light cost technology to the banks, which enable them to do these integration very quick and bring their products to it. Now, the, the second thing is when you talk about this integration, then the concept of scalability comes that how many one-on-one -on -one integrations a bank can do. So that is where now Skeps is creating a kind of a like a many-to-many -many relationship where Skeps platform can sit inside many merchants and then bank by just connecting one time into Skeps can get access to all these merchants quickly. So those are the two. One is that enabling the connection and then scaling up the connection. That is what Skeps is bringing to the table. Your your technology and your platform obviously increases or shortens the amount of time it takes to get in the marketplace with a buy now, pay later solution. But it also puts them on a competitive level playing field against a lot of these bigger players that are out there right now, the Klarna's and the firms and companies like this. Now, is is your technology something that's available to organizations of any size? No, absolutely, Jim. And, and yes, so answer is yes. If we, we, we work with very large banks and we are also talking to the credit unions and small community banks. And the idea again is going that if this payment method has to become universal, every single organization needs to come to the party and enable it for their own offering. So the answer is yes, all institutions. And that's why we build a technology. Now, what we are proud of that in the last three years, we have built a stack, one which is regulatory and which have the right regulatory and compliance practices so that it can sit inside banks and credit unions because fortunately or unfortunately they they are subjected to much rigorous regulatory practices then some of the fintechs can get away with right so we know but then we design the right technology which can solve those problems because those are the right problem to solve if you need to scale up and and just to give you an example, like last time we onboarded a bank on our platform right from the get go, it just take us 12 weeks to enable a bank to offer this whole product to their co-brand partners in 12 weeks times. And, and that is something which, which we are very, very, we are improving upon every single day. So when you look at your platform, then you not only provide a, a good credit platform, but you also provide an ability to collect data, um, which is important because that payment data is important from the standpoint of additional products and services. So when you're out there knocking on the doors of banks and credit unions, what are the challenges or what are the, the hesitations they see around implementing your service? In other words, what are the barriers that they see as to not go ahead and go forward with your, your solution? No, very good question around it. So Jim, I, I, and I think you two things I will touch. One is what are the challenges they are seeing? And the second is the, around the data. So let me handle the data part later. So the, the key, I think the story is that uh, most of the banks and credit unions have come to the terms that they do need to participate in this buy now, pay later scheme and offer some kind of a solution to their customer. Now, there are a couple of challenges they are seeing. One is the unit economics of this product. As I said, that sometimes making money on a $100 or $200 transaction is difficult because there's very little money on the table from a customer point of view and what they, for a $200 transaction. So that is where I just saw that, where I said that now banks are looking at more as like a feature set, like yes, for extending a $200 or $300 credit and by getting a customer, 
I can sell more products in future to the customer. So it's it's value added by spending $200, $300, you are getting a new customer to your franchisee. And that's how they're building their economic models around it, that rather than focusing on a transaction, they're thinking about lifetime value of acquiring a new customer. So that is one thing, how banks are getting over the hurdle. And that is the education we are doing, that how this PNL will grow, that it is not an unprofitable product, but in a long run, it can be a profitable offering for your customers. So the, I think the, the unit economics and all are those are the biggest. And the second hurdle is how to bring merchant connectivity in place, right? Because they don't have a merchant relationship. So I think that is where the two concepts of skips are helping. One is that given that we are we are building a network across merchants, so that is the offering to credit unions and all that by just plugging into skips, you will get access to the large merchants. So if your consumer is coming to a large merchant like Airbnb or Home Depot, and again, the, I'm not saying that these are the partners, but conceptually, if Skeps has these partners, then a credit union customer, when they come and land on these big merchant website, credit union will have an opportunity to extend the credit or the solution for their known customers in real time. So it's interesting. One of the dynamics, as I understand it, though, is that a financial institution has to look at credit slightly differently because these are small-term loans where as you mentioned, a lot of the credit files, the people that want the buy now, pay later, they're not as, as, as thick of a credit file. They're, they may not have any credit on file. So a financial institution really has to look at credit differently. Is this a challenge for a lot of organizations to think along the new lines of credit availability for the, the underserved or the, the, organ, the people that are most likely to want a buy now, pay later solution? Absolutely, Jim. So you're a spot on how you articulated it. That first is this, yes, if you look at a typical profile of the buy now, pay later customers, like 60 to 65% of the, are the debit card users. They don't have a, they don't either, they have a credit card, it could be secure credit card or very low limit credit card because they, are, they have thin files or they don't have a rich credit history. So yes, if you go with the traditional underwriting tools, you will not be able to extend credit to them. Absolutely, yes. But then on the other side, you see that this population is growing. And as I said, that the consumer behavior about how they are building their credit history, what things they value in life is also changing, right? The house ownerships, the car ownership in the in the world of Uber and all are all changing. So it's still, we will all see how that is that will pan out in the next five, 10 years. When you look at the FICO distribution of the whole population of US, how that is changing. But then at the, at the other side of it, you're right. Like if you look at that, these are the customers who are saying that, look, I want to buy a $300 laptop or whatever. And I want to split this purchase over next four paychecks. That's what they're asking for, that I want to split this with $50 or $70 over next four paychecks. So you're not extending a $5,000 credit line. So there is no, no reason to bring your traditional credit tools in underwriting. So yes, there is a new way of thinking about how you will underwrite these transactions. And also how you think about the losses around it. As I always said, right, that you are, if you start thinking about as a cost of acquisition of a new customer, then the whole dynamics changes how you think about credit. Because now you're saying that, look, today I spent $500 to give a reward on a new card that you get 50,000 loyalty points if you sign up for a credit card. Now you are taking that money and you're saying that I am giving a $200 to the customer and let him sign for a product. And then in the next four or five months, I will see how this customer credit works with us. Is, is he paying on time? If he's paying on time, good. I will extend more line to them. Right. I mean, it really is down to uh, leadership has to rethink the way they view credit, the way they look at innovation, the way they look at partnering with third-party organizations for white label solutions. And 
in order to get a foothold into these very rapidly growing scalable solutions and to build a cross-sell capability into other services that traditional financial institutions have, but buy now, pay later solution organizations don't have, you really have to think differently about credit. You have to think differently about the consumer and the lifetime value of the consumer. So you're really looking at, you're looking for organizations that really want to innovate at scale to reach a broader audience, aren't you? No, uh, very, very fair point. Exactly like this, this solution, exactly, that you have to go to the scale. And that is what we are offering is that, look, this is a white label offering, which, which, which makes sure that either you can sit by the side and see how the market is evolving, right? How this thought process is changing, or you can be an active participant in this process at a smaller scale. So in that process, you can go to the speed to market, start offering buy now, pay later in a smaller segment, you collect data, you understand how you need to think differently about the customer, what kind of a customers are coming together, what kind of a products they're asking. So rather than sitting on the side and seeing, you start collecting the data because unfortunately, this is such a new product. There's, there's no intelligence or data or roadmap available that how you go about it. So that is the thing which we are saying to the financial institution that look, we are not here to make ourselves the platform where you will always scale up. We are offering you a capability which helps you accelerate your entry into the market understand the market by playing into the market, understand the consumer behavior by playing in that space. And then how you scale up is something which will be a very, very, if you still want to use our platform, you can use it, but our platform also provide a function, function flexibility to bring all these components or some of these components in house as you mature, because we have to respect the bank processes that some of these things where bank would like to set them in house rather than completely taking it on the third party all the time. And that is another feature which we have another platform that is very modular. So if if all the, the you are taking one to ten components, you can choose which components you need today. You may need all, and then in six months, twelve months, twenty four months, you can decide what are the components you want to bring it in house because they are they they should inside sit inside the bank. You know we we're all we've been talking consistently about the buy now pay later solutions. But you really offer a lot of POS solutions for, for both financial institutions and merchants. What are merchant partners telling you about the products you're offering and the partnership with not only SCEPs, but with the financial institutions that you're partnering with? Uh, great question, Jim. Uh, then, then now we're looking from a lens from a merchant point of view, right? So when you look from a merchant, we already discussed that the need to work with multiple financial institution just to increase the coverage around the credit spectrum, right? Did you need a solution for a 350 FICO and also for an 850 FICO customer? So, and then, but the next thing is comes the product diversity, because when you think at a merchant, they are selling maybe $200 or $50 transactions, but at the same time, they have SKUs, which goes up to $5,000 or $10,000. So, so when we look at buy now pay later, we look at it as a, one of the products which sits nicely for a $200 or $300 transaction. But once you go to the $700, $2,000, $5,000 transaction, you are talking about a traditional point of sale financing where you need 48-month product, 60-month product, 20, 36-month product. So our platform is product agnostic. You can do pay in four or you can offer 60-month product and the platform is capable to handle it. So the, from a merchant point of view, it's actually very, that is what they're looking. They're saying that, look, we want to integrate one payment options, which can provide monthly flexibility 
across all my SKU ranges. Now, so from an escape point of view, they're asking that escapes like, yes, there is a one issuer which is very good in pain for, but then I need a six months or 12 months and 48 month option. Can you bring another one who can provide those set of offerings? And that is what we are facilitating on behalf of our merchant partners to bring them a right product. Now, again, we are not creating a marketplace. We are not creating competition among lenders. So we are not saying that, hey, you have to bid for him. What we are trying to solve is really the merchant problem that for every product they are selling, do they have a right monthly payment option for their consumer? And if not, then can we bridge that gap by talking to different issuers? And that is where the, the, the reason is that United States has 7,000 issuers is because each one of them have their unique value add in the system. Looking at the marketplace overall, what do you see as the biggest opportunity in the payment marketplace today? There are three challenges which people are facing. One, we already talk about is scalability because these one-on-one -on -one integrations like is not sustainable. The reason like you think about like how credit card problem solved. You can have a credit card of American Express, you can have a credit card of Chase, and you can go to any merchant and you can do the transaction exactly the same way, irrespective of what bank credit card you're carrying. Even if you're carrying a credit card of a community bank or a credit union. Now, that is the kind of a standardization needs to happen in the buy now pay later space. So that th this is not that, hey, you are using just one issuer and this is how the application process works. There should be a, some kind of a standardization happens so that the consumer can get the buy now pay later exactly in the same way, depending upon as they go from merchant to merchant or as they take the product from bank to bank. The second problem, which I will also say is that today, the one thing which if this is, has to become a payment method, then they, they have to follow some of the good things which Visa and MasterCard or the networks have provided around Reg Z consumer purchase protection. So those are the things like how can consumer trust that if I am taking this product, I'm getting some. So someone has to build rules around it that look, if this product is getting offered, then this is the protection which consumer is getting and consumer can trust that. So I think those are the things which needs to put in place before it truly, truly achieve its scale. You know, it's interesting on, on all my podcasts, I, I continually recommend to financial institutions the importance of reaching out to third party providers that can help them innovate, produce products and deploy in the marketplace at speed. We no longer have the luxury of product development that takes a year or two years. We really have to do it quickly. And you, you mentioned an example of, of an organization getting it on the streets in, in a really, really quick period of time. So when you look at the future of third-party product development and white-label product development, what do you see as the future, not just in buy now, pay later, and not just in credit, but overall, what do you see as the future of organizations like yourselves that use the blockchain technology to develop new services at scale that can be deployed across all organizations in a relatively short amount of time in a way that's both secure and meets regulatory guidelines. No, hey, Jim, uh, you are you're right. So let me address it this way. So if you look at from a technology, so technology is changing at such a fast space and also the demand of the technology. Even we have come a long way when we started in the last three years. So on the day one, when we conceptualize the platform and how this platform is changing on in three years journey is phenomenal. Like uh, we can we can tell you how different it has become. But the reason it has become different for the, all the good reasons is that 
think about the challenges which we are solving versus which bank would solve. So suppose if I have been developing this platform inside a bank, I will be developing for a single use case. I will be developing a platform to solve the bank's problem, right? Because you are sitting inside a bank. And it's very natural. I'm not saying like more is smarter or we are doing anything different. It's just where you are sitting in an ecosystem and what problems, what is your problem statement? Today, my problem statement is not to bring buy now, pay later. My problem statement is to help any bank to bring buy now pay later in an accelerated manner so you see right even the problem statement of the same platform is very different when you sit inside bank inside bank is that yes let's build a buy now pay later which bank my problem statement is that build a platform which any bank can use to launch buy now pay later in 12 weeks <laughs> so so that is the difference so when we are building a components when you are thinking about an architecture around it it's a very very different approach to architecture when i would be sitting inside the bank and then also, if you once you start working with multiple banks, your architecture automatically starts to grow because now you are bringing much more modular functionality as you're working with the clients. So then that itself becomes an asset. So that is how I see that. I don't think technology is a big, big, over a period of time, technology levels up, like unless until you innovate. So I don't think banks are losing on any IPs and all because the technology is very quickly changing. So it's not that if I build an IP, it will go into stay forever and it will become a key differentiator. So banks, where their motives is what their consumer base is, what their credit decisioning is, what how they manage the risk. And that is what they are best at. Outsourcing the technology, it's not a, it, I don't think it becomes any kind of a competitive disadvantage in a long run, given the space, how this things is evolving. So I think in a long run, these white label platform have a, uh, have a big role to play and I think they can exist. And, and that change, last thing which I will say, we've seen that change. Like if you roll back 10 years, I think banks were very, very susceptible to work with the white label platforms or third party players to expose. But in the last six, seven years, we have seen a tremendous shift in that where they are open to this open banking idea, leveraging the API structures of the third party platforms. So if an organization is looking to deploy a buy now, pay later solution within their financial institution, that's going to impact the entire community and all the merchants that are possible. How do they get a hold of you and how they find out more? Very interesting question. Uh, I'm still figuring out. But Jim, uh, the thing is that uh, we are like uh, we are present, like we have a website. We can you can come to our website is skips.com. Uh, we have demo portal request where you can request us and we can reach back to the bank around it. And then, yeah, that is how we are. But, but we are actively working with a lot of consulting companies and around to make sure that we educate people about our solutions. And if their clients are looking for something out there, they can evaluate us. Yeah, and I, I will give kudos to your team um, in preparing for this podcast. You know, you have a lot of content on your site, and it answers a lot of questions that an organization would have about, geez, how would I possibly work with a third-party provider to deploy a buy now, pay later solution that's going to be competitive and it's also going to be able to be scalable? And as you mentioned, the product itself is not the biggest profit maker, but it's how it goes across different organizations and different product lines that an organization already has. So 
You know, I really encourage organizations, if you're considering this as an option, to go to the SCEPS uh, website, look at some of the content they have, read about what's going on, not only in Buy Now, Pay Later, but third party and blockchain technology and what's going on in the overall deployment of third party solutions in a marketplace that is running faster every day. You know, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, I really appreciate the time we spent and I, I wish you well. Thank you so much, Jim. Uh, likewise, it was nice speaking with you and thank you for the time. Thanks for listening to Bank and Transform. Ray is a top five banking podcast and winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. If you enjoy what we're doing, please take a few moments to give us some love in the form of a review. It really helps us continue to get great guests. Finally, be sure to catch my recent stories on the financial brand and check out the research we're doing for the Digital Bank Report. Also, if your organization is looking to reach a new marketplace with a podcast interview such as today's, be sure to reach out to us and see if we can't do an interview for you. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Roll Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, remember, a firm's advantage comes from feeling market changes faster and taking decisive action faster. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.